the more high pitched you go. <laughs> no. The wor- See, when you, it's like a soft high pitch. The screech is safe. But when it's a, no, then it's like, what did I do now? Um, no! Um, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. <gasps> Jillian Pensavale. Patrick Hines. Ba-da-da. You guys, just a couple of things before we get to the episode. Okay. Our Pride show is more than half sold out. Almost all of the orchestra seats are gone. If you're coming to the Pride show, get your tickets. I love how at our Pride show, it's just theater terms for our orchestra seats. Yeah. I love the theater terms just thrown about. You guys, we've hired our drag queens. It's getting crazy. It's going to be the most amazing show I'm doing. As everybody knows, I'm doing the Pride tours in the morning. Yep. We're going to figure out who wants to come on those tours with me. So get your tickets to that. Our Patreon. Our Patreon is out of control if I do say so myself. (laughs) Yeah, it's really crazy, you guys. For episode-by-episode coverage of Serial, The Staircase, Making a Murderer, The Jinx, all of our interviews with Rabia Chaudhry, Asia McLean, Mm -hmm. Uh, Madonna's Truth or Dare, the director of Abducted in Plain Sight. Yes, and the director of Tower. Keith Maitland, girl. Yes. Yeah. Five bucks a month, you get a bonus episode a week, plus the entire back catalog. For $10 a month, you get all of that. Plus uh, ad-free versions of, of these episodes. Yeah, starting from Ted Bundy. That's on, right. right. Lastly, you guys, we haven't asked for this in a couple weeks. If you wouldn't mind taking a second and reviewing us five stars on iTunes, let the world know what you like about our unique, weird, quirky little podcast. Mm-hmm. That's important. It's important that you take a second to actually write something out. Let the, let the world know what makes us different and special. Yeah, as someone who likes to know what I'm walking into. Totally. People need to know what they're walking into <laughs> with us. But in order for people to know that this podcast is fabulous and fun, we need you to write a little something something in your review and we will thank you for it absolutely we will and, and, we and eternally you. grateful our yeah. hearts will grow three sizes for every single review we get 100 <laughs> so here we are girl i know last episode of hbo's the case against edmund sayed it's called time is the killer i know mm-hmm. i'm gonna miss covering this series i love it i am but it really it really wow emotional <laughs> i just it's it's hard to cover yeah, it is as everything is but. this one in particular it was rough mm. When you are working on a case that you think is a wrongful conviction, you're only on one side, and that side is getting to the truth. The day she went missing was just a normal day to me. It never hit me that something could be wrong until they found her body. The suspect is Adnan Musad Sayed. It felt like they gotta have the wrong guy. If he did what he did, then who's the person that I saw every day in class? For years, I've been saying to Don, we should go to media, we should go to journalists, because they can do things we can't do. But nobody realized it's going to turn into anything big. Adnan Syed's story has captivated millions since the launch of the podcast Serial. Serial is what brought new evidence to the case, but Serial was not going to exonerate him. Now, 18 years after he was sent to prison, convicted murderer Adnan Zayed heads back to court as questions about his case continue to surface. As investigators, we go beyond what law enforcement has already done. Failure to investigate more thoroughly is a major mistake. I never thought about him over all these years. This was a person that had a life. This is an interesting case, but it's people's lives. I know there are things that don't look good for me. I'm telling you, that's what happened. How could anybody think that he's being straight about this? That doesn't make him a killer. Makes him an unusual person. This is perhaps the critical piece to this case. They were going to follow that wherever it took them. 
this is a piece of evidence that nobody even realized existed. I want you to look into my eyes and tell me of your innocence. All right. Well, we start on June 30th, 2016, when Adnan gets a new trial, yeah. which is extra heartbreaking because of where we are now and the news that came out earlier in the month. Can we just enjoy the world of 2016 for one minute? Nope. <laughs> no, we can't. No, we most certainly can't. So we're at Robbie's house. First of all, every exterior shot of Robbie's house, I'm like, that house is gorgeous. It's pristine inside and out. It is pristine. So it's the day of the appearance of like the Court of Special Appeals, right? And everyone's getting like sort of ready at Robbie's house. And what the filmmakers who really want us to know mm-hmm. is that in the United States of America, at the same time as all this was happening in Adnan's case, it was a political firestorm. Yeah, it was a political <laughs> firestorm. Like, they're watching the James Comey hearing. Yeah, because now we're in June 2017. Right. So a lot of craziness is happening, and still is. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, can't wait for that to be over. My goodness. This presidency is sucking the oxygen out of a lot of news stories. I mean, even my attention is diverted because of what's happening in Washington, D.C. There are a lot of other things going on in the world. Hello. Yeah, like this poor not guilty guy is trying to get out of jail. Yeah, one of many, might I add. I hate everybody. And now we're at Justin Brown's house. Yeah. Guys, lanky, gorgeous, tall drink of water. Justin Brown, girl, you look good. Yeah, he looks great. Today we have oral arguments in Syed Appeal. There's more that can be lost than can be gained right now. We're defending the opinion of Judge Welch in the circuit court. We flip-flop back and forth in this episode between, like, the defense, Adnan, like, being in a good position and being in a precarious position. Yeah. They're in a precarious position now. Precarious position. That's my drag name. (laughs) (laughs) Not rehearsed. I literally just found it. My brain didn't know where it was going, and I was like, oh, that's my drag name. I got it. Nailed it. I saw you working that out, girl. I didn't know where it was going because I did. I wanted to do the bit about, like, precarious position. Say that three times fast. But then once I got it out the first time, I was like, I'm stealing that drag name bit. I did it. So here's the thing, you guys. Justin is in the car. In all of these documentaries, there's a lot of, like, people being filmed while driving. It makes me nervous. I know. I don't want people on their phones. I don't want them being filmed. Focus on the road, please. Right. So here's the thing. Justin is explaining what the state's case is here. Mm -hmm. Two things. Let's start with B, and then we'll go back to A. Okay. So he says that, like, Asia's not important, basically. Asia McLean, the alibi witness, is not important. That's A. The thing that he said that made me literally stop watching and call you and be like, we need to talk about this for five hours was... They're basically saying that we did not have a right to present our winning issue, the cell tower issue, in the court, that the court should have never even heard that in the first place. And that's a really technical argument. And so they don't get into this in the episode. We had to group text Rabia. I know. <laughs> well, who's in London right now doing like the premiere of this show in London? I know. She still got back to us. And the technicality here is that Adnan apparently waived his right to re-examine the cell phone evidence. Right. Under Christina Gutierrez. Right. Which is how they matched Adnan to like Leakin Park burying the body. And so Justin wasn't even involved in that. And what made me insane about this is that everybody can look at this and say, based on this evidence, the state's theory of the case could not happen have happened. There's no way Adnan could have been convicted on this. But because of a literal paperwork technicality, Mm -hmm. it's not going to count. Yeah. And that's what the state is arguing, you guys. Guess what? The state eventually wins on this. And this is the thing that I called you almost in tears. How is it possible that a person can be in jail when we have actual evidence that the thing that convicted him is wrong. Right. But because of a technicality, he's rotting in jail. I had tears in my eyes. Yeah, it's it's all, and girl, we're four minutes into the episode. I know. It gets so much worse. I know. 
It's horrible. But it does make you feel crazy when you're like, whoa, 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 whoa wait, wait yeah. a second. It just doesn't make sense. that This guy, Theory of Ignoraja, would rather an innocent man be in jail mm-hmm. than have to like let him out and reinvestigate the case and find out who really did it. Right. Oh, the hits just keep on coming. We're back at Rabia's house. Uh-huh. This is literally the saddest thing I've ever seen in my life. They're about to leave for this circuit state of appeals thing yeah. in like 10 minutes. Right. And Rabia and Shamim are sitting on the couch. Shamim is Adnan's mom. Right. And she's feeling really emotional and Robbie is just like I know but it's going to be great and Justin's great and Robbie thinks she's emotional about what they're leaving for in 10 minutes which would be valid right <laughs> yes which would be totally right and then Shamim like starts to break down and Robbie instantly knows well no what happened yeah. like something else is wrong it's it's something else yeah. and Shamim says that three months ago she found out that she has leukemia and Robbie loses her shit she goes what and then she goes can we go in the other room can we stop this like yeah. she immediately just wants to deal with it in the most human way and just like fuck the cameras it's not about that right now and it was Mike and I we gasped cried like it was just was a hit in the gut for sure good news it's stage one like they caught it really early I mean it was just like oh my god right and at this point in the documentary, Robbie is the only person who really knows. Like I mean, Adnan doesn't know. Shamim's husband knows. Yes. But he's the only person who knows. Right. And then, okay, fine. A moment of like levity and goodness. So we're walking into the court, right? This has all been leading up to like oral arguments in this case. Yes. Queen Amy Berg oh bum rushes Thiru Vignarasha in the parking lot of the courthouse. Hi, we're working on a documentary about the case. We haven't been able to get any access to you. Can you tell us like why For- you're continuing Forgive to me. fight the case? Forgive me. You can't answer that question? I, I, I just want to make sure we get over to court. Well, Forgive there's just me. all this new evidence that shows that there are questions about the validity of the conviction. Can you just tell us why you're why you're fighting so hard against this case, getting a new trial? If I can again, because this is a pending matter, we're going to decline the comment at this point. Thank you so much. Is it a personal issue for you? Thank you so much. He wants to come off as like this really polite, like, why are you attacking me? Right. He comes off as the biggest dick. <laughs> he totally All does. he does is he just repeats, forgive me. I honestly felt like he wanted to say to her, like, love to watch the Memphis girl. Like, I feel like he's like a fan. Well, and, like, he should be. Right. And wants to talk to her. No, well, not about this. No, not, not about not this. Not about the bad stuff that he's doing. Exactly. The best part is when she says to him, is this personal? And he's like, forgive me, forgive me, I forgive know. me. I just, I simply must be going. Yeah. Well, we all have to go into that courtroom. <laughs> why do you think we're here? I know. Amy Berg, I love Love it. And then Rabia says, like, I don't know what's motivating him. What I've heard about him is that he is very driven, that he doesn't like to lose, and he lost. I mean, he lost the PCR hearing, one of the biggest PCR hearings ever that had the attention of the entire country, and he lost it. So it could just be that, but I don't know. Listen, I have had so many off-the-record conversations with Rabia about Thiru Vignaraja. Oh, yeah. And, but Rabia says it all out. Like, Rabia tweets swear words at him. Those tweets, <laughs> whenever she does it, I'm just like, Mike, get over here. And I, like, read it to him, and he's like, that's amazing. She's always like, at Thiru Vignaraja's a fucking idiot. Yeah, go fuck yourself, asshole. <laughs> Next. Like, she's got no time. This is Rabia. I know. It's my favorite. Rabia does not mince words. Rabia, I hope you still like us. Imagine if she didn't. I, I just always think, one day I'm going to wake up, and that's going to be the day that Rabia changed her mind about me. <laughs> like, for no reason. But no, she has reasons, and her reasons are totally valid, I'm sure. But one day she's going to be like, Jillian's canceled, I decided. And she'd be right, and I'd have to deal with it. 
it, the next week it would be like Rabia Chaudhry, <gasps> Patrick, and I'd just be sobbing somewhere. That would be horrible. That would be a nightmare. I can't even talk about it anymore. So the the court hearing happens. They each get thirty minutes to like make their arguments. Adnan's not there. Yeah, and then we wait like always. Yeah, and they just come out and we see that there's like no timeline for when the judges will make their decision. Yeah, yeah. fun. So fun. we're back at home with Rabia. She's making more tea on the stove. Uh huh. Rabia's like talking about like in the fantasy world of like if this goes back to trial, like, what would the state's case even be? Right, right, right. And she's like, they have no incentive to bring Jay back. What is Jay Wells going to bring to the table now? Jay would not just be subpoenaed. I mean, his, you know, his, he would be impeached through his own criminal records and prior statements and all those things. Then, you guys. The on-screen text <laughs> appears. You guys, this is bonkers. The double take I did was like a cartoon. I'm like, they got what? So, a statement from Jay. Yeah, so they say that they made, after multiple attempts to get Jay to like, sit down for an interview, he agrees to like make a statement. Finally, after all this time, learned a lesson that mm, when you're recorded, they can play it back and rip it apart. <laughs> right, exactly. So the first thing he says And is, this is in January 2019. Yes, yeah, this, this is, is like very yesterday. Recent. Yeah, right. very recent. So Jay says to them, this is all in on-screen text. We're just going to tell you what they said, and we're going to do a lot of screaming. So remember, the statement that he made to the police is his official statement. Right, which is also different from his statement in trial, but whatever. Yeah, We're not exactly. talking about that right now. So Jay maintained that on the day of the murder, he borrowed Adnan's car to get a gift for Stephanie. For her birthday. For her birthday. But then he contradicts his statements and says that he tried to return Adnan's car at school but couldn't find him and then left. So in 2019, he's like, oh, wait, wait, wait actually, right. here's what happened. Because if you remember, like from Serial, from everything, Jay's like original statement is that he was supposed to meet Adnan at Best Buy, which is where the trunk pop happened. So today, right now, or in 2019, or whatever it is, January, Jay's like, oh, you know what? The trunk pop, it was not in Best Buy. It was actually in front of my home. Right. <laughs> Which um, Nikisha showed us. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> the big thing is that he's like, oh, that whole Best Buy thing, that came from the cops. That was their idea. That was the cops' idea. So Jay is now admitting to the filmmakers that the cops are feeding him a story. Yeah. Okay, so this is where the story goes off the rails. Yeah. And I had to give a lot of stuff a lot of googs. Okay. So he, he then <laughs> What did you says, learn, sweetheart? <laughs> Let's paint a picture. Okay. They're standing in front of Jay's house. Mm -hmm. They've popped the trunk. Jay has seen Hay's body. Uh -huh. Then if Jay's telling to the filmmakers now in 2019, Adnan now says to Jay, you need to go get 10 pounds of marijuana. Right. 10 pounds of marijuana. Right. Goop number one. Okay. What does 10 pounds of marijuana look like? I was imagining like big bricks, like hay bales, like 10 of those. Uh-huh. The Goog image that I saw was like bags, but it was 10 pounds divided up into pound bags. Mm -hmm. And it has like a net worth of like tens of thousands of dollars. Right. That's insane. Yes. But apparently, Jay procures that on the spot. Right. He's like, 10 pounds? Yeah, I think I can make that happen. When do you need to buy? End of day? Like, okay. Like, right. So then once he gets this 10 pounds of weed, like from his back pocket seemingly, right. according to Jay in 2019, Adnan's like, cool. I'm going to turn you in for all of that if you don't help me get rid of this dead body that I've been apparently standing next to on your front lawn while you get the 10 pounds of weed. I'm so glad that you saw that the same way because <laughs> you have to remember that Hay is killed, the trunk pop happens, and the burial all happens the same day. Also in broad daylight? I don't know, right. but like... <laughs> so we're to believe that Adnan is standing in front of Jay's house, trunk open, dead body in there, while Jay goes out and gets 10 
pounds of marijuana. And then comes back, like, sauntering down the street 10 minutes later? Right! Also, what happened to the 10 pounds of marijuana? Right. It makes absolutely no sense. Although, if anyone in the story either could get 10 pounds of marijuana or, like, knows a guy who knows a guy who could, right. it's Jay. <laughs> I guess so. Let's get ten, real. 10 pounds is a lot of pot. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's, it's a lot of pot to get between 2.30 when Hay was apparently murdered. Sure. And 7.30 when they apparently buried the body. Five hours. Right. And that timeline is, is about to get ripped apart, too. But, like, it's just, <laughs> timeline aside, the story itself I makes get, no sense. I get that it's Baltimore, and I hear that Baltimore can be a dangerous place. It sure could. The kind of place where maybe you can get 10 pounds of weed in an hour. Uh-huh. But I don't think that that's what happened. Again, 10 pounds of weed! It's ridiculous. <laughs> I feel like I would love, like, the audio, if they have it, of Amy Berg and Robbie are just like, <laughs> like, trying to hold back laughter, like, sure, Jay. Sure. So, okay, we're back with the PIs. Remember how they were at the place where Hayes' car was found and the turf expert, like, dug up the turf and was like, I'm going to take it back to the lab and see the conditions for six weeks, which is how long the car was there. Right. And see if we can replicate the conditions under the car. I also love Amy Berg. We're talking about 10 pounds of weed and then it's just like a shot of a greenhouse. I was like, is this where Jay gets the weed? Oh, wait, it's it's different kind of grass. I see you, Amy. Different kind of grass. Got it. Got it. Look, I have a lot to say and also nothing to say about this segment. Me too, because the whole thing is, like, this whole big, like, da-da-da moment of, like, we're going to see if, like, this experiment works. You guys, the experiment didn't work. He opens a refrigerator. I swear to God, in my vision of it, there's, like, a pint of ice cream on one side uh-huh. and, like... A like, six-pack with two beers in it. Right, totally. I did a simulation of how long it would it take for the grass to go from a vibrant green to all the way dead. So what does that experiment tell you about this photo? My experiments weren't conclusive in terms of the length of time. I'm sorry, but all of a sudden this turf expert is just like a total derp to me. Yeah, because he's like, oh, well, you know, I did everything and it's inconclusive, but... Right. And I'm like, wait, what? Let me use my eyes and look at this picture and tell you what I see. Which is the same thing we've all been screaming about the whole time. He's basically like, in the tires, there's a lot of grass in it. And it seems like, according to the weather, according to like the Almanac, there was like a lot of storm, which we know, actually. There was a lot of snow and a lot of rain. With the rainfall that occurred over those 46 days... And the freezing and thawing, I'm very surprised that there's still that much detritus left on those tires because as you get large rainstorms, it would slowly wash this away. The detritus looks fresh. The path of where the tires picked up the detritus is still fresh. This could have been parked there the day before. Uh, Could have been parked there a week ago. Can we talk for one more second about how, like, what a, like, a bummer of a segment with this, like, turf 100%. expert? I thought this was going to be the thing. They made such a big deal out I of it know. in earlier episodes where I was like, does it all come down to a blade of grass? That would be... <laughs> and a turf expert? And a turf expert, I presume. Whatever they called him. Like, Dr. Eric, I presume. And then it came down to nothing. It didn't work. It came down to a picture that we've all been screaming about, like you said, for years. Yeah, nothing new. Guys, the car wasn't there for six weeks. It wasn't there for six it weeks. Just, next! Next. Also, stop saying detritus. It's grass. It's just... <laughs> A blade of grass. Come for me, Reddit. I don't care. I so this we're back to the friends now, and we see Aisha Pittman. And here's the thing that that I've always wondered about. What? All of these people who have known Adnan all of his life, none of them went to any of the court dates or followed the trial seemingly at all. Mm-hmm. Because Aisha Pittman is saying, like, look, I've thought that Adnan was a murderer for 20 years. Right. So 
I'm open to new information, but like that's a lot for me to process right now. Right. But Krista, on the other hand. Yeah. Krista and Adnan seem to have stayed very close. Yeah. I mean, like consistently in touch this whole time. And she's been saving like all these letters and they've been friends and she's been on his side from the beginning. She has. She shows us this card that he made from jail for Krista's little son. Yeah. It's so really cute. sweet. He like handmade this card for my son. In the front of it says, I thought you could use A, and then you open it up, a big hug. And he cited, always eat your vegetables. Don't ever believe they'll make you like Bruce Lee. <laughs> so here's the thing. We get Adnan on the phone. We get him a lot on the phone in this episode. Yeah. And he's trying to, like, check our expectations because he's like... For the average person on the street, all they know are the stories they see on Dateline and Nightline where the person finally gets a new trial. To me... Living in here in this world is different. I can name like five people that I know who got their cases overturned, they were retried, and they were convicted. He's like, it's kind of like I've just been approved for chemotherapy. Like, you have cancer, and now we're going to inject this poison into your body. Yay! (laughs) Yay! He's like, no, it's really not like that. And then in the middle of of all of this, right after, we just get like, like some campaign (laughs) ad from Thiru. My name is Thiru Vignaraja, and I'm running for state's attorney against Marilyn Mosby. He's the best prosecutor the city has ever seen. We need him now more than ever. We're going to forge the most innovative, transparent, progressive prosecutor's office in the history of the country. So you guys, Theorem Vignaraja is running for state's attorney. But guess what? This is the best. <laughs> I love it when you shake your I'm head. Obsessed. The best part about this is we get Sarah Dill, his former campaign manager, and I just have, she is here to spill the tea. Because it's like what we're seeing on the screen, right? And yeah. then we see someone like with an iPad watching it, and I'm yeah. like, who is she? <laughs> because at one point, and this campaign ad is so ridiculous. As every campaign ad is, it's like promising the world and rainbows and unicorns and glitter, yeah. and it's like, girl, please. Um, and he's like, I'm going to be the most progressive prosecutor in the history of the country and Sarah Dill just goes like sure Thero okay like she eye rolls and audibly scoffs yeah it's true I probably haven't watched the video since I left the campaign he's he's very good about presenting a public persona if you're going to run as a progressive prosecutor taking on a case where you have someone who is tried as a juvenile to say no this conviction has to stand without any just concrete hard evidence, I think is troubling. Also, there's a clip of him like walking into the courtroom and you see Robbie's Dunkin' Donuts in the background. Oh, you do? Yeah. (laughs) I didn't know if she was in it. I hope so. I was like, oh my God, hi, Robbie. So Robbia says to us, here's Theru's backstory. He used to work in the district attorney's office. So when he was originally prosecuting Adnan's case, it made sense. Like he was assigned to the case or whatever. But then Theru went into private practice and continues prosecuting Adnan's case pro bono. I mean, everybody in this documentary will tell you it's completely unheard of. Except if you're Kathleen Zellner, <laughs> you go into private practice and help people pro bono. But if you're on the right side of history, I was going to say, like, for a defense attorney, that makes a ton of sense, right? And back to what Amy Berg is saying is like, girl, can you just admit this is personal? But why is it personal? Right. It makes no sense. Like, it is very weird for him to be so aggressive and going against everything he's saying publicly well, to win a campaign. Except for we get the roundtable of everybody saying like he's running for a statewide office. Right. He's doing this for the publicity. When he agreed to take the case, he had already made the decision that he was going to be running for office. I think he has his eyes on greater political ambitions. It's not about the law. It's not about justice. It's about making a name for himself. 
again, we're doing Making a Murderer at the same time. Right. And it's always a shock to my system that everybody in the world thinks Stephen Avery is innocent, but everybody in that little town in Manitowoc thinks that he's guilty still. Mm -hmm. And so my question is, like, how is it helping Thiru in Maryland to be prosecuting Adnan? Like, why is that good PR for him? I don't know. Do the people of Maryland think that he's guilty? I don't know. Did you listen to Serial? Yeah. Did you listen to Undisclosed? And if you didn't, (laughs) shame. So then, cut to, you know, March 29th, 2018. Good news, you guys. Yeah. The Court of Special Appeals upholds the decision to vacate the conviction. Like, this is great news for Adnan. Only took them nine months to decide. Right. <laughs> I Take hate your- everything. <laughs> I know, I know. Just a mere nine months. I know. All they had to do was read a couple files. I know. They only got 30 minutes of oral arguments. How much do you have to digest? God. How long does it take to listen to Serial and Undisclosed, honestly? <laughs> Not nine months. No. Just do our coverage. You're going to laugh out of it. I know. So the state has 30 days to decide if they're going to appeal to Maryland's highest court. Guess what? Which, like, obviously. They guys. do. They, they, Whenever the state can appeal. They're going to appeal. They're going to. Again, like, I cannot wait for someone in office to be like, you guys, we made a big mistake, but th- that's the chance to be the hero. Right. That's where it gets personal and you, like, are going to fight tirelessly. Right. Come on, some state, whoever you are. <laughs> Stand up, sweetheart. <laughs> yeah, so we're getting everybody's reaction to the opinion because according to Rabia, the opinion was very strongly worded. Almost advocating for Adnan. Yeah. And she's so sweet. She's like, can I just read this part? I, I just want to read my favorite part. She's like, it's so long, but I have a couple favorite parts. Amy, can I read it, please? And I'm like, you let her read. You let her read Amy? every page if she wants to. Amy Elizabeth Burke. Is that really her middle name? No, no it's I not. No I totally fell for it. For a half a second, I was like, no, god damn it. Actually, how, can I just read that portion? <laughs> It says the state's case was weakest when it came to the time it theorized that Syed killed Hay. Wilde's own testimony conflicted with the state's timeline of the murder. Moreover, there's no eyewitness testimony, video surveillance, or confession of the actual murder, no forensic evidence linking Syed to the act of strangling Hay or even putting Hay in the trunk of her car. In short, at trial, the state adduced no direct evidence of the exact time that Hay was killed, the location where she was killed, the acts of the killer immediately before and after Hay was strangled, and of course, the identity of the person who killed Hay. It is amazing. To me, that I mean, that's such strong language. Here are our options. Yeah. If the state decides not to appeal, they will either go straight to trial or offer Adnan a plea deal. Right. So now we hear Adnan saying on the phone that if he is offered a plea deal, he's going to consider it. Of course, because at this point, he's been in for so long. Yeah. And it really depends on what the deal is. Now, I think that Adnan is the most realistic of everybody about like what the, potentially what the deal would be. But he says this thing about how like he told his mom that he would consider a plea deal. And it like broke her heart. Yeah. Which is just, to me, it's like, oh God. I mean, I get it. Like, yeah. After all this, right. to have to hear your son admit to something you know he didn't do. Right. And he says, you know, he's like, my mom, she's a big believer in fighting. And it just like, it breaks my yeah, heart and, thing, and, and makes it swell at the same time, you know? The thing about the Saeed family is that they suffer from good people syndrome. Uh-huh. Totally. <laughs> you know what I mean? Totally. Like, they just want to see the good in the world. And so now Justin Brown, the lawyer you're in love with, yeah. says, look, if a plea deal is on the table, it's going to have to be an Alfred plea. Because an Alfred plea, like, you plead guilty, fine, but you can always maintain your innocence. Right. Like, that's in the paperwork. Yeah. And then that kind of leads him to like, you know, we've always been a little interested in that DNA testing. But I, think uh, I think it's time to give her a whirl. <laughs> let's, let's throw that DNA test. Let's give her a shot. This is really important. This is called foreshadowing, you guys. It's what? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more about the magic of filmmaking and storytelling. <laughs> because, remember, remember when I thought you didn't know what the word verbatim meant? <laughs> and I kept every second of it in. It was, it was so- really an honest mistake. I thought you were doing a bit. I just, I But Justin, Justin says to us, We're always interested in DNA testing 
there are objects that have not been tested, that were never tested. It's a little tricky though, because DNA testing could be misleading. It's not disputed that Adnan was in contact with the victim. He's her, her former boyfriend. They remained friends after the, the two split up. So, you know, it, it wouldn't be at all surprising if his DNA were, you know, in her car. So we have been and we will continue to be really careful about DNA testing. This comes up at some point. I don't know where, so I'm just going to say it here. That woman, Sarah, who was... Queen Sarah Dill. Queen Sarah, Queen yeah, Sarah. please. <laughs> Queen Sarah Dill. She descends. (laughs) She tells us that, like, Thea would openly discuss Adnan's case with her. When she found out that there was untested DNA evidence, she said to him, look, there's all this public sentiment on Adnan's side. Why don't you just get this DNA testing done and then be done with it? If it's going to prove his guilt, then just do it. Right, and then you could be done with it. And it's also, it's 12 pieces of DNA, everybody. It's 12 things. It's a lot. So then Thea's like, well, as prosecutors, that's not our job. What Sarah is saying is that, like, obviously Thea didn't have any confidence that the DNA was going to be a good result for him. It was going to work in his favor. Right. Yeah. There was every chance that it was going to exonerate Adnan. Ridiculous. Right. I know. I don't want a Sarah. And Sarah's like, girl, I quit. Sarah shaped hole in the door. <laughs> I want to know why she quit. I love how it's like former I campaign know. manager. We and never like, get that. that story, girl? Over a couple dry, dirty martinis. <laughs> mm. So we're at May 2018 and it's two days before the deadline for the state's next appeal. So Justin's out for a walk. He runs into the attorney general. He's out for a walk. Out for a stroll. Trying to clear his head. He's so tall, he's just got to get out of the office sometimes. I know. You know what I mean? I um, I ran into Brian Frosch on the street. I've never met him in person. You know, without going into any detail, we there, there have been some informal talks going on. He assured us that we would be hearing from his office very soon. So what Justin is saying is that, like, they're going to offer a plea deal because the state knows they're in a bad spot. Right. They know they're in a bad position. Right. So if they can offer a plea deal, get it done, then everybody, whatever, then it's over. So they set up a time to have the call in, like, four minutes. He's like, four <laughs> o'clock, we're doing it. And I was like, oh, shit. Well, it is two days before the deadline. Yeah. Tick tock. Let's and do this. Ring. And he's like, and he kicks Amy Berg out of I his know. office. He says skedaddle, which I didn't like. I didn't love it either. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't like it. I did not like it. You know, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm nervous about it. Um, but I'm also cautiously optimistic. They could express a, a serious desire to resolve the case. Skadoodle, skedaddle. Okay. Give me a little piece. Okay. Skedaddle. She's That's a little it. bunny. It's Amy, Amy Berg. Berg. <laughs> Amy Berg, if you call us. <laughs> So the phone call ends, and Amy Berg, who is skedaddled out of his office, skedaddles right back in. I mean, Justin Brown is so deflated. He went from being like, we're going to have the call in four minutes. I know. We're going to have the call, to being like, oh. He looks physically ill. Yeah. He's really upset. He's He's sitting down now. He was standing up before, and now he's sitting. And he's kind of yelling at Amy. He's like, Amy, I can't talk about this too much. And Amy's like, how many documentaries do you think I've done? I know! Who the hell do you think I I, am, Justin? Justin goddamn Brown, you beautiful bitch. (laughs) You beautiful bastard. But Justin's been through a lot in the last 10 minutes on this phone call. So I'm going to cut him a whole lot of slack. How about that? It's been a roller coaster for my sweet baby Justin. I know. I'm sitting at home like crying into my like water and popcorn. And I'm like, I'm stress eating. This is horrible. (laughs) And then like we're ripping apart Justin Brown. He's allowed to be a little deflated today. Because no matter what happens, we know this all has a bad ending. Right. Well, here's what happened on the phone call. I, I can tell you that discussions with the state are ongoing. Um, 
you know, the, the two sides have not reached an agreement. And um, in, in light of that, uh, the state is, they're, they're going to file their appeal. I think it's due on Tuesday. Um, but yeah, so we, we as of now, um, there's no deal. And, and this is where we get, like, the whole concept of time because Justin's like, look, I think we're going to win. But, like, the time is working against us. Right. My client is rotting in jail right now. Yeah. I'm going to say it every time. I know. Rotting in jail. I hate it. I know. But Justin gets really real. Like, he's just like... It's tough out there, you know? These cases are just so fucking hard to win. It just jarred me because I was yeah. like, it was the first time he ever really got that real and emotional and raw. And like, he cursed. I think that he thought an Alfred plea was on the other end of that phone call. I think he did. Right. What we get from, because he's not allowed to say anything, Justin. Okay, we heard you. <laughs> okay, sweetheart. God. Um, it wasn't an Alfred plea. It was a bad offer. Yes. It was a bad offer. And we'll find out what that offer was in a minute. So here's the whole thing. We're back to the state's attorney race. Remember, Thiru Vignaraj is running for state attorney. Ivan Bates is also running for attorney. And the incumbent is Marilyn Mosby. I don't even have to look at my goddamn notes. Also, this was happening the first time we spoke to Rabia. Yes. Because she was saying, I was like, who am I rooting for? Tell me. I'm I throwing know. all my money at this person. Thiru is running against two other candidates for a state's attorney. There's the incumbent, who's Marilyn Mosby, and she has not ever stated a position on Adnan's case. And then the other opponent in this race is Ivan Bates. And he publicly has stated that he doesn't think there was enough evidence to convict Adnan. So if Ivan Bates wins, that's an exoneration for Adnan. That's not a plea deal. That's not another trial. It's not an acquittal. It's a full, it's like you're done. We're done with you. But beyond that, he said he would reopen the investigation. That means all those leads that nobody followed up on, all that, that evidence that might still exist somewhere, like we could actually find out who killed Heyman Lee. It's a big deal. So it would be like all these appeals and the hurry up and wait. It would be over. over. He'd press a button and it would be done and Adnan would be home. Yeah. That's it. So we're with Rabia on election night and she's like refreshing her computer. And at one point it really looks like Ivan Bates is going to win and then he doesn't. Yeah. And Shamim is with Youssef and the sweet baby, the biggest heart in the world. Youssef is just this little smush of a human who's He's just like. talking about looking for the good and everybody. No, He's all goodness. hugs. That kid is just all hugs. Aww. Everyone's like glued to their screens. And then Marilyn wins. Hi, you guys. Here we are. TikTok DNA o'clock. Here we go. So Justin says, with the state filing the second appeal, now is the right time for us to be really looking at the DNA. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Makes a whole hell of a lot of sense. So here's what we have for DNA options. Okay. Justin tells us there's a thing called, like, left fingernail, right fingernail. So it's possible that if Hay was murdered and she scratched or clawed at the attacker, sure. that there would be DNA, maybe, under her fingernails. Of course. There were body swabs, like, like a basic rape kit that would be done on any body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pubic hair. Pubic hair, all of that. And then there was a rope, a rope that was found near Hayes' body. 18 inches from the body. Did you know it was that close? Yeah, I, yeah, I did. Okay. Yeah, I mean, somewhere in my brain. The point is, these are have all been available for DNA testing, and the testing's never been done. Right, this is what Theroux is like, nah, I'm good. The reason Theroux would never want this to be tested is because if there's DNA under the fingernails, and it's not Adnan's, then- It's over. It's over. It's over. Of course he doesn't want this stuff tested. Right. And then, like, refresher, he also tells us, he reminds us that there are two fingerprints found on the back of the mirror of Hayes' car. Right. The rear view mirror. As if someone was adjusting it. Right. So the idea is that like whoever's fingerprints those are could be the last person to drive the car. Like the person who put the car where it was found. Right. And we know that the fingerprints aren't at nods. They're not Chase. They're not Hayes. But they were never tested against anybody else. Right. And Justin says If the detectives were really open-minded you would think they would have tested that stuff. But they had it in their mind that Syed had done this and they set out to prove that. 
So now we meet. Is everybody ready? Oh sit, down. Everyone sit, sit down. down. Sit Everyone sit down. Sit the hell down. And open a window. Yeah, get a cocktail. Ugh. Dr. Queen, Your Excellency, <laughs> Jen Gorniak. She's a forensic pathologist slash badass you know that slash she's not to be fucked with. Not to be fucked with. You know she's one of those people who has an email signature that takes up half the page. Sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like every letter of the alphabet rearranged. Right. And she's the chief medical examiner in Atlanta. And she's like, I consider myself a death detective. <laughs> I know. I actually immediately was like, who's going to play her on the TV show? <laughs> Death Detective. Jen Gorniak is playing herself. Only if Vivica A. Fox is not available. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so she basically comes in to look at all the forensic information, and she does this thing where, bear with me, she comes to conclusions based on science. <laughs> Wait, what? I know. <laughs> I know. It sounds crazy. It sounds nuts. But this is the thing that happens in cases, you guys. Sometimes they rely on <gasps> science. Jeff Gorniak, you genius. I know. So basically, like the private eyes, who, frankly, I'm losing interest in these guys, but whatever. They lost me at the grass. They lost me at the grass. I was too. so here for them. I was so ready to just have my mind blown. They lost me. Yeah, they're kind of duds. But <laughs> real drips. Here's what they ask her. They're like, what can you tell us based on like what you saw? And she says, like, you know, in her estimation, the cause of death was strangulation, the manner was homicide. And then we get into this whole thing about like what you would expect to see. Remember, the state's theory is that Hay was murdered in the car, strangled by Adnan in the car. Would you expect to see anything else in the medical examiner's report to support this thesis? Meaning that she was strangled in the car and there was a struggle. Correct. I would, yes, I would. Um, especially in that, I mean, that, I'm just picturing a, a sedan um, and someone fighting for their life, literally. Mm -hmm. So what's there? You have the dash, you have the window, you might see bruises or contusions on the, on the arm. You see, like, on the autopsy, like, it says, like, extremities show no evidence of fractures, lacerations. No or broken fingernails. No broken fingernails. Nothing. Right. So, basically, what they're doing is they're going through what the state said, and then Jen, using her brains and degree and, you know, science, right. either <laughs> confirms it or debunks it. Right. And then they start talking about lividity. Lividity is, is, like, the big thing that everyone always comes back to. In the most staged way ever, he's like, what's lividity again? Lividity is the settling of the blood after you die. And so, depending on the position, it's going to go towards the dependent areas. So, if you're on your back. Back, it's going to, to shift towards your back. It's where it's going to settle. So gravity's going to pull it down. Correct. And then they show an autopsy photo of Hay where she has these two triangles in the blood patterns on her back. They're calling them the double diamonds. Yeah. So you can see like this double diamond shape mark on her shoulder. This is lividity around it, right? Something had to be pushed against her and her being face down. It would take 8 to 12 hours for those patterns to actually become fixed. Correct. The point of this whole thing is to say that the state's theory of the case is that Hay was dead at 2.30, buried at 7.30. There's no way that that could be true just based on lividity because it takes like 12 hours for the blood to settle. Right. And then another several hours of something being placed on her back to make those double diamond shapes happen. And Robbie has been talking about the lividity and these double diamonds forever. The point is that the state's timeline that Hay was buried at 7.30 p.m., that's out. Yeah, it's out. That's out. So now the private investigators go from Dr. Jen, and in my mind, they're like, next, and Justin Brown walks in, <laughs> right. which is probably not what happened, but in my mind, they're just like, and now we'll see who's next. Justin Brown? Here's the thing. When I got to this point in the documentary, I was like, okay, we're back with the PIs. They've re-investigated this case. They right. are going to tell us all the shit they learned. They literally say to Justin Brown, we have more questions for you than you have for us, probably. 
Oh, yeah? <laughs> and I'm like, so it's the grass all over again. Is that I know. What you're it's the grass all over again. <laughs> I can't have my heart broken again like this, yeah. boys. No. Tyler. The thing is, they, I'm sure, are excellent at their jobs. I'm sure. But they just, something happened. They just, I'm sorry, but like, they didn't excite me in mm. this series. Here is like the information that they have for Justin. Mm-hmm. Basically, they're saying the people that we can't rule out are Alonzo Sellers, a.k.a. Mr. S. the Streaker. Right. And Don Kleindunst. We'll get to both of them in a couple of different ways. But remember the Double Diamonds? Yeah. So they tell us that the Double Diamonds diamonds could be caused from a thing that people who work with cement use. There has been some suggestion that those impressions were made by what's called a concrete shoe. And this is a, a, a tool that's put on the bottom of a grinder, which you can grind up concrete. But the reason this is interesting is that we know that Alonzo Sellers worked in concrete for years and years and years and years. Then the investigators tell us that they tracked him down. Boys, this is the kind of stuff I was expecting. Right. So we actually see video of Alonzo Sellers mowing his lawn. Right. Refuses to talk to them, like won't sit for an interview, and they realize that he lives like minutes from Woodlawn High School. Like five minutes. Where Hay was last seen. They were just like, oh wait, there's a high school and there's Alonzo. Yeah. Hmm. So Alonzo Sellers is one of their suspects. The other suspect is Don Kleindenst. Don is just a reminder, Hay's boyfriend when she went missing and murdered. And Debbie, who was going to have like a weird relationship with Don a few weeks later, tells us that when she was the last person to see Hay alive, mm-hmm. Hay was going to pick up her cousin and then was going to meet Don. So Don was, you guys, there are so many suspicious things about Don. Just for example, Hay was supposedly going to see him when she left school. Right. When Hay went missing, he never tried to call or page her. Right. When he found out that the police had called his house looking for Hay at seven o'clock at night, he didn't call them back until one o'clock in the morning. It's a long time and he has no alibi for that time. No alibi for that time. And real quick, police never really investigated him. They never investigated him at all. They waited months before they talked to Don. And honestly, Robbie, not in this documentary, but like in life has said to me and to anybody who will listen it's not Don's fault that the police didn't investigate him like the reason that Don is being looked into so closely now is because he wasn't properly looked into at the time right and he won't talk now and he won't talk now which <laughs> Don it makes you look so guilty it girl it makes you look horrible Stephanie like sit down for an interview I know so they got Don's like clock in clock out records from Lens Crafters yeah whoever prepared the record went to pains to like point out that Don's mother was his manager and his corroborator for his alibi but then they tracked down this one one guy who's worked at Lens Crafters for like 32 years. Tom Precht. Tom Precht. And Tom Precht. They're interviewing him via Skype. This whole thing is so absurd. But then there's a shot like with Tom in his house looking at Skype. So right. they filmed him like every which way you could. Exactly. You guys, we got to get eyes on Tom Precht. Get everybody. No. Money is no object. We got to get Tom Precht. On Wednesday, we see that Don is not scheduled to work in the lab, but... We do see time entries for him on his time card showing that he punched in at 9.02 in the morning. So Tom tells us... Only reason I can imagine he was called in is if Charles had called out sick. Charles Kirby was the lab manager of the Hunt Valley store. Listen, this guy's worked at Lens Crafters for 32 years. He remembers everybody's name. Everyone's name. And he has all the information. That spreadsheet. (laughs) He's like, hey, Queen KZ, you want to see a spreadsheet? I got one for you. Something tells me that Prex doesn't have a whole lot going on in his personal life. No. (laughs) But he's willing to help. Yeah. But so then the PIs are like, wait, no, we know Charlie did work that day. And in fact, we have Charles's time card for that week. He was working on Wednesday and not out sick. There's no reason I can imagine that there was two of them on there on a Wednesday. It just doesn't make any sense. 
Don and Charlie were both managers. And they're saying, like, there's no reason that there would have been two managers there on a Wednesday. Right. Now, listen. I'm fully in the camp of, like, Don looks super suspicious. His alibi for that day looks super suspicious. Like, as somebody who has scheduled people for things, as somebody who has been scheduled for things, you can't look back now and say, it doesn't make any sense that you would schedule two managers for a Wednesday. Like, there is any number of reasons why you might schedule two managers for a shift 20 years ago that you're not going to remember today. You know? That's not compelling evidence to me. But there's a lot with this time card thing. Yeah, the time card thing is crazy. Is there a way to create a phantom shift, so to speak, without leaving a trace? If you were doing it in real time, you could do it. If you you had his password, you could have been doing that. Then they also tracked down a guy who only wants to be referred to as SH, another employee from Lens Crafters who worked with Don at the time. Super hot. Right. <laughs> Alexis. I love that SH is like, yeah, I knew Don at work. I would never have hung out with him outside of work. No, he's like, mm, no. They were trying to track this guy down for three years. And apparently, like, just last week, the guy was like, okay, I'll talk. All right, fine. Right. He's like, I remember clear as day when Don was telling me that his girlfriend went missing. I remember as clear as day. Like, his hands had scratch marks and bad and just going around the up towards his rest off the scratches were more down towards his nose. He just said that it was something from working on his car or something. He had, like, scratches all up and down his arms. And bandages on arms his hands. covered in bandages. Don, and, it doesn't look good, girl. And the thing is, the police spoke to Don weeks after Hay went missing, so everything would have been healed up. So there's no record of if this is true or not. Right, exactly. So the point is, it's like another womp womp. Like, right. there's no direct evidence connected to Don. The grass was meaningless. Nothing right. matters. Exactly. I hate everybody. So the PI say to Justin, in a very staged conversation. Yes, very like, staged. <laughs> I love you, Amy, but very staged. <laughs> like, you can basically see them reading the script. Why was there no DNA testing? Yeah, tell me, uh, can you just like define DNA matching again? What's that all about? You're private investigators. So Justin is saying that like we didn't have any control over that. That was all controlled by the state. They decided not to do DNA testing. But bombshell, the DNA testing has been done. I'm happy to address this. There were 12 samples that were tested for DNA. Um, Adnan's DNA was not found in the fingernails wasn't found on any sample taken from inside of the car, wasn't found on any sample from Hay's body. Adnan's DNA was not found anywhere. There's this confusing moment where the private investigator says, like, not only was Adnan's DNA not present, but nobody's DNA was present. And it's this weird thing where Justin agrees or doesn't, depending on how you interpret the sentence. I'm confused about what that means. But what we know for sure is that Adnan's DNA was not present. So Justin tells us about a rope that was found 18 inches from Hayes' body. There's something called longer wire and shorter wire. I think those are pieces of what were described as ropes that were found very close, I think within like 18 inches of where the body was. There was a DNA profile pulled from that. But whoever that profile belongs to, um, they're not in the system. And so basically, the PIs are now saying, like, look, if our two suspects are Alonzo Sellers and Don Kleindenst, right. they're not in the system. So when it says that they've run this DNA through the system and it didn't get any hits, including Don, including Alonzo Sellers, there's no reason for Don's DNA to be in the system. And there's not necessarily any reason for Alonzo Sellers' DNA to be in the system. Right. Like, he'd been arrested, but they talk about, like, maybe they just took his prints. Like, right. he was just streaking and peeing everywhere. Like, <laughs> we don't have to take DNA for that. And then, again, the fingerprints come back up. You know, remember the two fingerprints? 
fingerprints that were found on the back of the mirror. Of course. Of the car. Yeah. Again, they were never run against anybody other than Adnan, Jay, and Hay. So we don't know. Like, it makes sense that Alonzo Sellers' prints would be in the system. Just run them. See if they're there. Yeah. Probably Don's aren't in the system unless he's been arrested for something. We have no idea. Right, right. Basically, there's a whole lot of inconclusion here. But the one big thing, and I need to credit Rebecca Lavoie for being the person to point so much of this DNA stuff out to me, and the big red flag here. Uh-huh. The big shining pride flag yeah. is that forget for a second about other people's DNA and trying to figure out who the murderer is. Sure. There's none of Adnan's DNA. Of which course. means that Adnan was not the murderer. Right. He couldn't have been. Yes, that's very clear. That's huge. Yeah. But Justin's not like, hey, everybody. Right. Here she is, boys. Here's the bombshell. He's just like, I'm. what day is it? I haven't slept. The point is that his DNA isn't there. Who doesn't know that at this point? I don't. Right. And honestly, Justin doesn't care about pleasing the public. He just needs to get this in front of a goddamn judge. He just you know? needs to get his client out of prison. I know. It's ridiculous. Here's the info on the plea deal, you guys. The state came to Justin and Adnan with a plea deal because they knew they were in a weak position. Mm -hmm. They thought that Adnan was going to win this appeal, that his conviction would remain vacated and he'd get a new trial. Like, if they were to go to trial again, if that had happened, they have no argument. They have no J. They know the DNA evidence is not on their side. Mm -hmm. So they went to Adnan with a plea deal, with a shitty plea deal. They should have made a better deal. I know. They wanted Adnan to plead guilty. Mm -hmm. No Alfred plea. No Alfred plea. Spent another four years in jail. And Adnan's like, I loved this audio of him because like you're saying he's so like calm and positive and just like the realist here it's just what they're offering is just so bad you know it's so unreasonable they're gonna want me to stand in court and say listen I did it I lied to my mom and dad I lied to Sarah Koenig I lied to Ravia I lied to Amy Byrne when I was a kid they threatened to take away my future take me away from my family take away the opportunity I would have to go to school or get married and have kids just to have my freedom, you know, and they make good on that threat. Now it's a lot different. You know, that's because I don't really have anything they can take away from me anymore. You know, that audio of Adnan was recorded before he lost. Right. So he thinks he's going to win. Justin thinks he's going to We all think he's going to win. Right. And I had dinner with Rabia, and I asked her, like, if they were to offer that plea deal again now, do you think he'd take it? And she said, I don't know. But yeah. probably not. Probably not. Well, he says, he goes, look, I'd be exchanging one prison for another. Right. Look, so then I'd be out there as the guy who lied. And no, you know, it's just like, in this situation, it's always going to be some kind of a prison. Yeah. Because when he gets out, when he gets out, there are always going to be people. Right. Naked sayers and whatever. There's always going to be something. So wouldn't it be great if he could get out knowing that he didn't plead guilty? Of yeah, course. 100%. And so you guys, we're at the end, like we get this brutally sad on-screen text. Shamim ends up telling Adnan about her illness. Yeah. And you know, of course they like remain committed to like overturning his conviction and right. you know, her health and all of that. We didn't need any clarity on that. We right. knew that like they were going to stay strong and everything. Yeah. yeah. And 2019 marked his 20th year in prison. And then on March 8th, 2019, the Court of Appeals issued their ruling and the Seven judge panel ruled four to three to reverse both lower court decisions and deny Adnan a new trial. You guys, this was, I mean, we've been talking about it since day one, Like, yeah. but this was so unexpected. Yeah. And it came right before the first episode of the series. And look, I've talked to Rabia extensively about their options. They are exploring all of their options. And Justin Brown, you know, his statement was, we refuse to give up on Adnan. And this episode ends, the last note of it is Heyman Lee. And there's a that high school photo of her that we all know. Yeah. And it says if she were alive today, Heyman Lee would be 38 years old. 
Oh, you guys, thank you for coming on this journey with us. We will keep you posted. Anything that we learn that we are allowed to share with you, we will absolutely share with 100%, 100%. you. 100%. 100%. You guys, come see us live in June. Yes. I want to say it again. Like Our tickets for our June Pride show are selling really fast. So if you want to come, get your tickets now. Go to the See Us Live page on our website, where you can also find information about seeing us at PodX and CrimeCon. Mm-hmm. Get a discount on those tickets. And come see us in June. We got our drag queens. We're doing Stonewall on the 50th anniversary of Stonewall. We're doing the documentary about Stonewall. It's going to get crazy. It's going to be so bonkers. I can't. I'm going to sob. I'm going to be I'm going to be crazy that. Yeah. Day. You guys, Patreon. Don't forget to check out the Patreon if you want more of us and who can blame you. I mean, <laughs> get our episode by episode coverage of Serial, The Staircase, Making a Murderer, The Jinx, all of our mini episodes, our extended outtakes, our original bonus episodes. Yeah, and just fun interviews and sometimes just random stories. Very it's early true. on we had like the story of how we met, I think, That's or like right. how we became friends. Oh, all also fun stuff. Our live show videos, both live show videos yes, were up there. Yes, we always forget to mention I know, that. It's true. It's all commercial free. Every week you get a new episode. Yeah. We're almost done with Making a Murderer. You guys, let's announce it. The next thing we're doing what on is Patreon uh, is going to uh, be Lorena. Lorena. <laughs> Look, so, I have things to say. I cannot wait. Yeah. $5 a month, you get all of that stuff, plus a new bonus episode every week. For $10, you get all of that, and you get these episodes ad-free. Yep. Coming up next, you guys. Girl, tell them what we're doing. <laughs> Studio 54. It's on Netflix. It is gay, gay, gay. And like full of like drugs and text fraud. It's gonna be a hoot and a half. You guys, we see all your suggestions. Keep them coming. We're doing most of them. Yeah. So keep your suggestions coming, however you want to get them to us. Sure. Girl, how can they find us? Uh well, thanks for asking. Thought you'd never ask. <laughs> TrueCrimeObsessed.com is our beautiful, gorgeous website. You get episodes, you get promo codes, you get merch, you get live show tickets, you get everything. Totally. And we are at True Crime Obsessed on the Twitter, at True Crime Obsessed Podcast on the Insta. Follow us on the Insta, you guys. I'm crazy with the Insta story. I know. I pop in every once in a while. And then I feel like I'm crashing a party. Every no! Time I do. I'm always like, hi, it's Always me. welcome. Thanks. Where can they find you? At Jillian with a G on all the things. I'm at Patrick Hines underscore on the Instagram, at Patrick Hines on the Twitter. I don't know what the palette is going to be. We'll figure it out when we get there. You know, it's great every time. <laughs> Just remember to put it in the show notes, I know. Girl. I know. I remembered last time. Okay. All right. Love you guys. Love you. Thank you. Bye. When you walk through those blacked out doors, you are in another world. Andy Warhol, Calvin Klein, Elizabeth Taylor, Mick Jagger. It was hot, sexy. Like an adult amusement park. It is so preposterous. We both came from Brooklyn. They had this understanding that they were getting out and they were going to do something big together. We wanted the ultimate nightclub. Beautiful models, celebrities with gay men, transgenders, and it all started blending. A world fantasy that absolutely exploded. Sex was in the air. There were mattresses in the basement. The amount of drugs was profound. Everyone felt like they had to be there. The people started to get angrier because they couldn't get in. You can't have this much popularity without somebody wanting to take it down. All of a sudden, the lights went on, the police were there, and it was like the reality was in your face. The basement had bags of cash and drugs. The feds, mafia, the White House, they definitely messed with the wrong people. Controversy was like a moth to a flame, and it got even bigger. Haven for inclusion and acceptance. I don't think they had any idea that it would be important in our culture and the history of what was going on all around the world. This was revolutionary. 
Remember Debbie and Don? <laughs> Hashtag Debbie and Don. Remember Debbie and Don? I do. Never forget Debbie and Don. I want to write a musical about it. Debbie and Don, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> is, hmm, is that going to be the big like act one ending number yeah and then like the big opening number from act two is spring break it's called spring break yeah yeah I want 30% break. of the royalties spring break Spr- spring break you're visiting your sister spring break <laughs> this is horrible continued prosecuting Adnan's case pro bono prosecuting what did I say prosecuting did I say prosecuting prosecuting did you not listen to the Crime Junkie Why Adnan is Innocent recap episode? Because they go into the, the suspicions of the time card like, whoa. No, no, no. I'm saying, my thing is like, they're, they're saying- that, Also, like, hi, Ashley and Brett. <laughs> <laughs> hey, girls. I just, I can't handle it. When was the last time you drove a car? Re- very recently. Oh, okay. I drive a lot. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, okay, <laughs> fine. Jeez, sorry. There goes that hilarious bit. <laughs> Woo, really suck the air out of that one. There's a saying that I learned passed down through centuries Which translated from the French means sister please Girl you're special, you're up, yeah but you're a gem And if people haven't seen it, well hey, that's on them So you got a little baby fat, it ain't no thing, yeah Look at Joy you bring. Now I'm gonna 
help on that boy and tell him you're free Friday night. Gosh darn it, I will! Ooh, language, honey child, please. 